Hello, and welcome to the 11th episode of Columbus Local Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Chance Dannison. And, you know, Chance, say hello. Hello. <laughs> that sounded so good to say. Yes, sir. And, you know, it, it's, it's awesome that you're here because um, I've known you a long time. Yes. You know, and I, it's, um, it's a pleasure to, um, have seen your career. Okay. From your, from your beginnings, which was in one of the suburbs in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. where, um, one of my sons, um, you know, kind of hung out with you for yeah. a little while. And so were you born in Columbus? So I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Um, my family is from Groveport canal, Winchester area, um, and then uh, when I was like six years old, we moved to New Albany, Ohio. And my first day of school, kindergarten, I was with your son, Anthony. Um, and it was awesome. I'll never forget. Um, I think for the first few weeks, I think he ate the same thing every day for lunch. I think it was a bagel from Tim Hortons. I'm pretty sure it was a or some kind of bagel every day. And, and plain cream cheese. Plain cream cheese. That's that it. it. I try to trade for that every day. (laughs) Eat that every day for, I think it was five years. You don't need anything else. Bless his heart. (laughs) You know, he's not as selective as he was when he was a youngster, but uh, he's, he's, uh, I'm proud of him. He's a good, he's a good man. He's a good kid. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, for you, um, you've come a long way with, with music and um, you've come a long way from the corduroy jacket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I should have known. I should have known. So, so what's, this the, what's the story with that? So I think, um, I want to say it was like seventh, seventh grade, maybe seventh grade. We had to, for class, for English class, we had to write a Greek myth play. And, um, I remember writing it in like five minutes before class started because I'm a procrastinator. And so I waited till the last minute and I wrote this play out and my play ended up getting picked to be performed in front of the seventh grade class. Um, and like pretty much the whole school came out for it. I remember like we were in the cafeteria, the cafeteria stage, we performed it. And I put some, some rhymes, some raps in there. And at the time I was kind of a little pudgy. And uh, so my mom had bought me this corduroy jacket from Kohl's. And um, my friends, uh, who shall remain nameless, uh, but who might get and end up being named on this podcast later, <laughs> uh, they were kind of like poke fun of the fact that I had a lot of baby weight still. So I wrote a rap about this corduroy jacket, and um, I ended up performing it. Um, kind of like went off the cuff during the Greek play performance and decided just to do the rap. And uh, I think it... I was born and died there. <laughs> but was that your first song, though? Was that your first? Oh no! I think I think when I was ten years old, um, when I was ten years old, I first started playing music. So I went to I went to New York, and my sister lived down the street from a guy uh, in Long Island. His name was Joe. I don't remember his last name. And she said, "Hey, my friend Joe heard you want to start playing music with your buddies in your little band that you're getting together." And so I said, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. I do. I want to start playing music. I want to play guitar. She said, well, I, I want you to go down to his house down the street. So she just sent me to his house. 
looking back, this is like number one way to get kidnapped. Uh, he, she sent me to a stranger's house. I was 10 years old. He goes, yeah, come down to my basement. I got to show you something. No way. This sounds like the beginning of Criminal Minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say. So he takes me in his basement and he has, <laughs> this sounds terrible, right? Uh, he's got like 30 guitars hanging from the rafters in his basement. And he gives me a Warlock uh, guitar and he says, here, you know, he said, play this. I said, I don't know how to play. So he taught me to play Smoke on the Water and I played it over and over and over again. And then I left his house Escaped. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I w went back to Ohio, and um, I probably after a few months, uh, I my parents probably got sick of me playing Smoke on the Water every day. <laughs> so it was easier just to kind of make up songs on my own. I think the first song I wrote was actually for a guy named um, Mookie Klaus, who you know. I do. Um, I wrote it for his cousin who had passed away of cancer mm. and it was called uh, Monday morning. And I wrote that. And then after that, I just, all I did was write songs and I still write songs. Uh, I wish I could write songs uh, as easily as I did when I was 10 years old. Uh, I wish it came a little easier like it did back then, but yeah, that was probably 10. But good for you. And you know, um, your style of music today is, like vintage country kind of yeah. in it or, or otherwise known as, uh, as red dirt, right? Yeah. Red dirt or uh, Texas country or cowboy country. Yeah. It's a lot of names. It's this country. Have you ever been to green hall? I have not um, been to green hall. I've driven by green hall. I would obviously that would be awesome to play green hall. Oh awesome my gosh. I'll tell you what, um, I, I had the good fortune of, of being there. Um, and I saw a show, but just just one time it was one one evening um but but reading the walls oh yeah is a musical just journey that is just unreal I it's mean, amazing he played there that, oh my gosh i mean george Strait's played there and oh zz top zz top delbert mcclinton yeah um I mean, all, all the, all the, uh, Steve Ravon, I mean, just it goes on and on and on. You'd never guess too. When you go, when you drive past that place, you don't realize what's inside, but it's just like a very traditional concert hall. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it, it just blew me away. Yeah. It really did. And so you got to do that. Yeah. I would love you to. You got to play there. I've got to, <laughs> I got there. I would like to play there and, uh, I would love to play inside Billy Bob's Texas at some point, you know, world's largest honky tonk. I, that's a, those are all very, um, steep goals, very high, mm -hmm. high goals, but uh, you, you could do it. You, you know, you're at that level. I, I, I believe to, to step in there. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so red dirt, what, what is that all about? So red dirt country is, it's pretty much, um, it's just another way to describe um, country music that you don't hear on mainstream radio is what I would say. So if you listen to pop country radio, you've got like um, people like Morgan Wallen and you've got um, Luke Bryant and you've got um, just all these very it's pop country is what I would call it. Some people have called it bro country. Some people have called it boyfriend country. It's all country music. But Nashville has pretty much bought up uh, mainstream country radio, um, whereas Red Dirt music is, you know, it has its own stations within Oklahoma, Texas, and Arizona, 
um, New Mexico, places like that. And it's, it's more traditional country. It's more storytelling, in my opinion. You've got guys like, um, it's more cowboy, I would say, too. Whereas, like, a lot of guys that are on pop radio right now, or pop country radio, I should say, you know, they're singing about going out to the lake and, you know, their truck and drinking beers. And don't get me wrong, cowboys do that, too. And people out west do that, too. But I think um, country music has gotten away from poetic storytelling. Gotten away from its roots, right? Yeah, it's all propaganda. Yeah. So if you listen to any Red Dirt Country, uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to find um, artists that are are really great storytellers. And that's kind of what I've always wanted to be, is a storyteller. So, And, uh, you know, Red Dirt covers guys like Cody Johnson. Um, you know, you can even look up bands that I like are guys like Reckless Kelly, um, Cross Canadian Ragweed, which is not together anymore. But if we wanted to go more modern, uh, Randall King, uh, guys like Tyler Halverson, um, uh, there's a guy named uh, Kenny Fiedler who is uh, really big in uh, kind of like prairie country or, you know, but he's kind of like rock and country at the same time. He's, he's definitely red dirt country for sure. Um, but there's just all these guys that I think a lot of most of America really don't know about. And I got to say, I think they're just, I think they're better songwriters than what Nashville puts out even. But that's just my opinion. Well, it's something that you're a part of, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, that's, that's your, your genre of um, where you live and, and breathe um, and, and where you're, where you're drawn. Um, how did you find yourself in that genre? So when I, I grew up in a family that uh, we rodeoed, my dad, his dad, my grandpa, uh, he rodeoed. And um, so my, my dad rodeoed, my brother rodeoed, my brother and I both competed um, for college rodeo teams. My brother was an assistant coach and athlete at University of Tennessee Martin. Um, and I competed for Weatherford College in Texas. So when I graduated from New Albany, I didn't even know, uh, I didn't know I was gonna go to college, but when I found out I could, I was eligible to go to any college, my grades were so bad. When I found out I could go to any college um, and it, you know do what I loved, which was rodeoing, that's what I wanted to do. So I had played music uh, from when I was 10, probably to when I was, 14, 13 or 14, and um, I really uh, took a big hiatus from it, from 14 to 19, I would say. Um, but I'm really lucky because the guys that I did play music with, I got the full tour, I got to do everything a guy could ever want to do if you wanted to learn how to play music. I got to play in an awesome band, I got to play at awesome venues, I got to write music and record music every day. Um, at a guy named Mookie Klaus's house, his oh, dad nice. and his dad Mike would you know had built a little studio in the basement, and he I was very lucky. My parents would just let me stay over there all the time, and we would just do nothing but write songs and and play music. And then so I took a break, and I started rodeoing when I was about thirteen or fourteen, and that kind of piqued my interest a little more. And I put the guitar down for a while and. When I went to college uh, to rodeo at, on the Weatherford College rodeo team, I wasn't the most talented rodeo athlete on the team. There were guys there 
oh my gosh, so talented. Um, collegiate national champions, uh, professional bull riding uh, Canadian champions were my roommates. <laughs> uh, guys like Jared Parsonage, uh, Landon Williams, uh, Cody Mahaffey, those were my first three roommates. Um, just really talented guys from all over the world, from Canada, from uh, you know Idaho to Tennessee, Adam Jensen. Just really great guys. And when I quickly realized I was um, kind of like the guy that had a lot of work to do, had a, lot of, had a lot of teeth cutting to do, I needed to figure out a way to fit in. So I kind of cracked that guitar back out. And I know, I know that they really enjoyed, uh, I would write dirty country songs. I would write these dirty country <laughs> songs. This, it was a way to kill time. Absolutely. We would drive like nine hours to these college rodeos. And, um, and oftentimes, like, we'd, get, we'd stay at a rodeo the whole weekend. And, um, you know, I didn't have a fancy horse trailer with living quarters to stay in. So most of the night, we'd stay up, you know, probably partaking in too much beer. Uh, but um, I just ended up writing these dirty country songs. And, you know, I just wanted to make people laugh. And uh, so that kind of transpired into... Um, going to open mics, but there were like open mic comedy places or just generic open mic. And I think after my college years, I quickly realized, oh, I need to get a job. I, I can't, you know, I didn't, college wasn't really for me. Um, and, you know, I realized I could, rodeo is very expensive. So I was like, okay, I, how do I stay connected to rodeo? Um, I can't do it by, you know, winning a lot of money because I'm just not that good. <laughs> These other guys are way better than me, but I still love the culture of rodeo. I love the people. And so the easiest way for me to do that was, okay, well, how can I play music for these guys at rodeos to where, you know, the fans already bought a ticket to get into the rodeo and I can give them entertainment afterwards. Can I write songs that they listen to going down the road? And then just kind of, I basically packed up all my stuff and moved to Arizona. And, uh, I initially thought I was going to move to California and I was going to do improv comedy. That was I was I talked to a guy who was a stunt double for Russell Crowe and I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go out there and be a western stunt double and try to get into comedy and acting. And on my way out there, uh, a friend of mine named Louis Resnick was living in Phoenix at the time. Oh sure. And uh, Louis plays the drums. He he was a part of a band at the time called the Singer Swim, and I had played music. Uh, with Lewis growing up on and off. And uh, he said, you need you need to come play music and you need to you know live with us. So we had four guys living in the house in, in Tempe, Arizona. And I got a job out there um, cleaning pools uh, via a good friend of mine named Chelsea Stodgel. Uh, she was very kind enough to contact her uncle who gave me a job cleaning pools. Um, and so... I lived with these guys. I lived on their floor. I didn't even have a room. And I, but I had a job, which I, I don't, I'm not sure if any of them had a job. There was four of them living in this house, but I had a job. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with, uh, with Lewis's dad. You know, we've played, we played in band together. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. He's, he's amazing, Locally too. Here. Oh, um, yeah. But, I, you know, Great people. I was living out there on their floor, and I was, had a great job cleaning pools. I'd get up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, 
which we were, they'd get done playing a show and it'd be like rolling two in. or three o'clock in the morning. We're rolling in. You're yeah. rolling out. Oh my gosh. And you know, I was like, they would let me sell merchandise at their shows for them. But what it, it really taught me to gig. I'd never gigged before on my own. I didn't know how to book a gig. I didn't know. I didn't. I only had, you know, a bunch of songs I'd written. But they kept encouraging me, and they were like, "Man, you got to. You need to record some music." So I just thought it was a bright idea. To, I, I was like, "I'm gonna quit this pool job." I became probably not the best employee. Sorry, Chelsea, and sorry to your uncle. My <laughs> probably was thinking about music a little too much, and he uh, was kind of more focused on that. And uh, very quickly, I lost that pool cleaning job, and. Uh, rightfully so, you know, I've, I, uh, you know, I had been telling a lot of the, uh, people's how I clean Wayne Gretzky's pool oh, on cool. Sundays Very cool. um, or a house that he owned, but I never got to see him. But, um, but quickly I was, you know, telling people while I'm cleaning the pools, like, yeah, I'm getting into music and I think, uh, I think I'm going to, you know, record an album and hit the road. <laughs> I think word got back to my boss and he was like not having it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I sold my truck. Then my dad bought me. I sold a Duramax truck. I bought a '88 Chevy camper van. Nice job. Yeah, it was a historic. Had historic plates on it. Oh Four hundred plus thousand miles. <laughs> no insurance. No tags. I bought it for like six hundred bucks after I'd spent the rest of the truck money on uh, like new Martin guitar, uh, Fender acoustic amp. Um, CDs. I bought CDs. Things that you needed. Yeah, yeah. I yes. bought. I, I uh, recorded my first EP um, within a week. I think maybe the week that I got fired, I recorded a three-song EP with a guy named Michael Beck that Lewis and Nate Zani referred me to. Uh, shout out to Neil Ehrlich too, because uh, Neil Ehrlich, Nate Zani, and Lewis Resnick um, all played, um, and Ben Ehrlich, Neil's brother Ben. Uh, who helped me out a lot, uh, they all played on my first EP because I didn't know anybody. Oh, wow. And so that they were they were a part of the uh, arrangement in the, in, the, in the band. Yeah, and the, it was fun because yeah. they didn't, they played rock music and mm -hmm. so they weren't really yeah, familiar with Swim was, was a, was a, Phenomenal. And I, I'm, yeah, I don't think they're still uh, together, no. but, but they um, should be though. That was a, that was a fun project to see really you know evolve i mean um and my son my son anthony was hired to, to create their logo yeah so uh, he he <laughs> so there's another anthony uh tie-in for you yeah. but with with those guys but um so yeah sink or swim was um very talented very electric man mm -hmm. to watch and probably the best guys that could have been around to learn how to how to book lewis lewis resnick is i mean percussionist He's he's a phenomenal percussionist, but more more than that, he's um, he's great when it comes to being involved in the community mm -hmm. of music, which is you know what your podcast is all about. He is a guy that um, I watched. He would if you wanted tickets to a show. I mean, he's going to drive thirty minutes to bring you your tickets and thank you for purchasing them. He was great at working with um, you know the people who own the event venues, um, and he. He pretty much taught me how to book, and um, but yeah, those guys, they they helped me pretty much understand what it took to to hustle, and within uh, you know the course of a few weeks after I had that van, I convinced um, Ben Ehrlich 
and Neil Ehrlich, Neil was a part of the singer, so I'm a great bass player. I convinced them to go with me from Arizona to Texas for my first gig, my first real gig with a band. And so we convoyed to Weatherford, Texas, where I went to college, and I was going to play at the Blind Horse Saloon. We took, uh, we took two cars out there with another friend of theirs. I took my van, <laughs> and I remember telling them, Whatever you do, don't drive through um, El Paso Border Patrol. Go through Albuquerque. <laughs> and I don't know if I should tell this in this podcast, but I'm going to because I think it's hilarious. Oh, man. So we go. I don't edit. It's that's it. It's, per, it's okay. <laughs> what happens, happens. So we, um, we, we, I wake up to dogs barking <laughs> at our van, and both vehicles have been pulled into the lanes that they tell you to pull over into at Border Patrol in El Paso. <laughs> After you told them, don't, don't, don't drive through there. You know what? The lesson learned here is take the first shift driving. I should have taken the first shift. So they're telling us to get out of the van and get out of the other car. And they're like, hey, our dogs detect that there might be material material in the in the van. <laughs> or the, I'm like, oh, God, you know, what are you guys doing? I'm like, I told you. We don't need to bring anything. We're good, you know. Anything. I'm thinking, what? What could it be? And they didn't hardly find anything in there. But we were detained for like 30 minutes, and there was zip ties. And I remember thinking, like, these guys, mom, their mom is gonna kill me. I kidnapped them and took them across the country, and within the first, you know, half a day, we're already getting pulled over. But they actually, they said, you know, we didn't find anything. Uh, we're going to let you guys go. We have bigger issues to worry about. And so we were back on the road and still made the gig in time. Oh, man. that's Well, that's the important thing, right? It's the important thing. So we made it to Weatherford. And um, I think I'd booked between uh, that August or September, I believe, I had booked, you know, some pretty cool gigs for a guy I didn't have. My music had just been released. Uh, it was on. It was on SoundCloud. You're driving around in your historic vehicle, like Creeper home. Van. <laughs> it was my home. It, it was my home. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big deal, man. It was, and we and so Neil and his friend, um, uh, they they left. They left us in Texas, and it was just Ben and I, and we convoyed up to Ohio, and then Ben. Ben left for some personal reasons. I think he was he it was his first time away from home, and I probably wasn't the most. Um, uh, promising guy to be on the road with. I'm telling him, like, we got all these gigs booked, man. You know, don't worry about it. We're going to live in this van. You know, his parents are thinking, what the heck is this guy doing taking our son? Life of the, the musicians, man. Yeah, I was, I was, I was okay with taking the risk. So it was probably a good thing that I ended up being on my own. But I remember that first year I, I played at American Airlines Center uh, for the ERA rodeo finals in Dallas, Texas. I got asked to come play out in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, for the national finals rodeo, and um, hey, you're a, you're a rodeo person yourself. Like yeah. you're you're doing these events at these rodeos, or or was that a whole separate? So when it first started, no, I just had a song. So I wrote. I, I the only reason I was getting any of this booked was because um, of a song I wrote, like sitting on a toilet, you know. Um, I was living in Texas, I just, uh, it was right before I moved to Arizona, in fact, and I had just gone to my last rodeo back home in Ohio, and I just got back to Texas, and I was thinking, man, it's probably the last rodeo I'm going to go to for a long time. And so I 
started thinking, man, I've had so much fun rodeoing, but I can't really tell you how I competed in the arena. I can't remember much of that, but I can remember every good time I had hanging out with people and all the parties and the honky-tonks and the traveling. And that's what rodeoing's really about. Yeah. And so I, I thought, man, who embodies that more than anyone? And it came to me, this guy named Wade Sundell. Wade Sundell... And no one, no one that listens to your podcast is going to know who this guy is, but I encourage you to look him up. He is a, um, he's a saddle bronc riding, you know, wild man. He rides bucking horses that are, you know, they'll stomp you into the ground. They'll buck you off. He's got a beard. He's got crazy long hair. He wears sunglasses. He likes to party. Always a positive guy. Has won millions of dollars rodeoing. And is he still doing it? Oh, he's still doing it. And so I wrote, I, I thought, man, if I ever make it into rodeo heaven, I want to party like Wade Sundell. Dude, good for you. So I sat down, I wrote it in There's five your minutes. your hook. Yeah, it was five minutes. <laughs> took me five minutes on that toilet. I posted it on Facebook the next day, 167,000 views. Oh like, my god! It was crazy. Yeah, man. No, I love your music. Like, Red Dirt is, is a thing yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and, and so... Those inspirations are, are are dreamy, you yeah. know. They're idealistic and they're they're very um, they're very personal, right? Very very personal. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for Wade, I don't know if I would be as lucky as I am today. So shout out to Wade Sundell, thank you. Uh, because if it wasn't for you, I probably would not uh, get to do what I love for a living. Um, but yeah, that song. That's so awesome, man. It's taken That's me good. a lot of places. Well, speaking of lucky now, what's what's with your name, Chance? So, you know, the rumor has it oh. that... Um, it, it, so it's not confirmed? Or? It's, it's, I can't confirm nor, or, deny. Or nor deny. Um So I am the youngest of uh, four kids. And the next closest sibling to me is 11 years older than me, my sister Emily. So I have my brother, Zach, my sister, Heather... Um, and my other sister, Emily, and Heather is, um, much older than me. She's 21 years older than me. Um, and I'm not going to say my age. I don't want to give away her age. She's still very young and vibrant. Um, but, uh, there's a big gap there. And so I think my parents were kind of done having kids and by chance, um, I, I came along and I probably Here ruined, <laughs> I probably ruined two retirements. They were like 45 <laughs> when they had, <laughs> um, but oh. no, but, uh, yeah, yeah they, but look at, look at what you're doing. It's good um, stuff. I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I was born when I was born because I got to see all my siblings grow up and I think my parents were in a really good place. Um, and I was able to have everything and anything I pretty much wanted growing up. I was very, I'm very spoiled looking back. Had it had it way too good. So if it wasn't for my parents and my siblings and where we lived in New Albany, I, you know, it was a great place to get an education. And oh yeah, um, I, I agree. So yeah, it was, I definitely feel like I've had a lot of second chances too. So my my name has has followed me um, my whole life uh, with positive vibes. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Yeah. So um, that was your first hit record. Right. Yeah, I would say for me, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how big it is, but for me, personal and, yeah, and successful. Yeah, it, would, it ended up being it ended up being listened to way more than I ever thought it would, and reaching way more people than I ever 
Just from grassroots. Yeah, just production. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be watching, you know, streaming, you know, some kind of cowboy rodeo channel, and I'll hear it playing uh, on TV. I'll hear it. it. It's a bumper sticker for people. It's a it's a way of life for people now. It's um, you know, it's it's really cool, and I hope that I can make some more songs like that. But I've written a lot of other songs and. I've put out a lot of their songs thanks to some great producers who have helped me as well. You sure have. And so who, um, how did you get into, um, working with producers and you know, how many, how many records have you, have you made? Yeah. So, uh, I did the EP with Michael Beck and Phoenix in 2016. And then immediately the next year I was like, I need to make more music. And I need, I need to, I, I learned a lot and I was like, you know, it was pretty hard and fast, the first EP. I was like, now I got to put more time and thought into this. So I took a job. This is really weird. My brother Zach sent me a, a wanted ad for a donkey basketball man. Um, donkey basketball is a, a way school, you know, schools out in the country raise money for PTO and uh, homecoming and stuff like that. So I hauled donkeys from January, after I got back from playing all those shows in Vegas, I got back and I needed a job. So I hauled donkeys from January until, I want to say, like, March or April for a company called Buckeye Donkey Ball. And I would take these donkeys to high schools, and people would play four-on-four basketball while riding donkeys in gyms. And it was just me and the donkeys at a hotel every night in Michigan, Pennsylvania, you know, Virginia, Ohio, uh, all over and I would write music in the hotel room. I bought some recording equipment, and I would just write music. And I got in touch through a friend of mine named Jim Yoss, um, who I was put in touch with by another friend, Aaron Puscarriage, from Cadiz, Ohio, uh, Piedmont, Ohio area. And they put me in touch with a guy named Mark Puscarriage. And Mark Puscarriage uh, is the man. He is an awesome producer. He actually produces Blues for the Cure. Um, which is, uh, um, he also does uh, Buckeye Cruzapalooza, which raises a lot of money for cancer research. Um, and so I was, I was told to contact him. I said, hey, I want to make a 10-song country album. And uh, he had never done really a country album, from what I remember. And, but he had had some great, talented uh, blues musicians and had worked with country artists, but never... Recording, so we went to his place. It was called Tony's Treasure Studios, beautiful recording studio out in the country. And so I, I stayed up there for a week, and I, I had sent him like I think twenty plus songs, and we narrowed it down to ten, and uh, raised as much money as I could. And I had to, I had to, I had a lot of people help me pay for that album and get that album going. You know, I want to you know, definitely any chance I get, Jerry and Jeff Wiley. Uh, who and Tip Dan Electric, um, they are two awesome guys who really believed in me, and I, I, I owe them the world. So we got everything set up. I went up there. I worked with Mark and a guy named Cody Romshack. We, he, he found me these studio musicians uh, who were great. One of them uh, being Roger Horde, who's a phenomenal guitarist. I was very lucky to have uh, play. Uh, on my album, uh, Jan Roll, um, uh, a guy named Smalls, um, 
just just really talented guys, veterans who knew what they were doing. And we busted it out. I had a steel player. I had a, uh, I had a lead guitarist. I had a drummer, bass player, uh, mandolin, fiddle player, who was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Just everything I could ever hope for. And so we recorded the album. We called it Last Call, which looking back, you know, I was like that. That might be a bad omen for a first album title. <laughs> but uh But it meant something to you, so it meant something to me. Yeah. It, um so we it was called Last Call. My idea with the album was to make it a uh kind of like Green Day's American Idiot, actually. Yeah. Uh which was like the first album I ever bought with my own money. I bought it in Chicago. And I liked the idea of like a rock opera storyline throughout the whole album. I was like, can we do that? But like a cowboy version. And so we wrote these songs, I wrote these songs and I kind of put them in order on the album and we busted it out. And I got to say, it's it's the best stuff I've ever put out as far as an album goes. I'd like to make another one in the future, but um, Mark Postcarriage for sure. Great guy, does so much for the Columbus and Ohio music community and does so much for charity and really great guy. I was very lucky to work with him. And the next guy I worked with after him was another Mark, uh, Mark Hill, who is from Nashville, Tennessee. So I played music after I put out Last Call for several years. And I had struggled with some some personal stuff for a couple of years. So I was trying to get back to, you know, gigging and taking care of business. And once I made up my mind that, you know, you can do this, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I lived with Louis uh, Resnick again in Nashville. Uh, just can't get away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lived with him and my fiance, Shelby Clift, who I love so much and getting married to October 29th. Congratulations. Thank you. She uh, had recorded music herself. She's a phenomenal singer, way better than I am. Uh, her whole family is super talented. It has an older brother named Zach who can shred on the guitar, one of the greatest guitar pickers I've ever heard. Um, she uh, had recorded music when she was younger. Her mom took her to Nashville. She recorded with a guy named Mark Hill. And um, so she got me in touch with him. And at the time, someone had asked me to write a song for their wedding. Um Brandon Daniels was his name, and he sent me, you know, just a list of of lyrics and and ideas that he had. He wasn't, you know, a songwriter or musician by any means, but he had a lot of of things he wanted to say to his future bride. Um, I said, yeah, I said, I can turn this into a song. So I turned it into a song. It's called God Had a Plan. It's the last single I put out, 2020, 2020, 2021, during the pandemic. Um, and, uh, but Mark Hill produced that for me. Awesome guy. I want to say, and I was just looking it up earlier. Um, so Mark, I got to brag on him because Mark, uh, has played, he's bass player for Reba McIntyre, bass player for Brooks and Dunn. Current, still, when they play uh, concerts, he's still a bass player for them. And I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong on this, but, I'm pretty sure that he just won bass player of the year. Um, uh, and I don't know what for, if it was ACM honors, but he may, I think he won that in the past as well. 
So Mark Hill, very talented dude, and has made that song God Had a Plan What It Is. So uh, shout out to him as well. But those are the producers I've worked with. That's so awesome. Yeah, and you're and you reside in Tennessee now, right? Yeah, I live in the Smoky Mountains. Mm. Yeah, I live um, Sevierville, Tennessee, which is now home to the world's largest Bucky's. Have you ever been to a Bucky's gas station? I have not. Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> it is the uh, world's largest gas station, 120 pumps, um, and I'm pretty sure they're known for their brisket, sand chop brisket sandwiches, and their beaver nuggets. Wow. Um, I encourage you to go to the Bucky's. Do, do I have to go to Tennessee for that? No, I think they have them in Texas and Kentucky and uh, they'll be everywhere. I eventually. do have relatives in Nashville. Oh, yeah. So there's... Yeah, there's which I get to talk to you about yes, later. Yeah. So Sevierville, Tennessee is also home to Dolly Parton. Right on. Yeah. So we moved there after Nashville. Uh, we both, her, Shelby and I both got jobs working at Dolly Parton Stampede. And uh, as performers, my fiance is a trick rider. And uh, yeah, she dangles upside down from horses, basically. Nice. Uh, so, and does stunts on their backs while they're running 35 miles an hour. So she's crazy. Is she still doing that? Oh, yeah. We do it every weekend. You do it. Yeah. So um, we go to, we perform at rodeos every weekend from like, I want to say April until November. And so. She'll, she trick rides, and then I'll play music afterwards or before the rodeo for people. And then sometimes, and I compete still. Do you, yeah, so do you rope your... I still rope, yeah. Okay, wow. I still rope, and then sometimes I, I'll, I'll do her specialty act with her. I'll shoot guns off my horse and make stuff explode, and I'll stand on his back and twirl my rope around. You know, but there's people that are way better at it than I am. She's really the talented one. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we love, we love the Smoky Mountains. They're awesome. Uh, we work at, um, during the week, we work at a place called Tennessee Stud Cider. So uh, it's hard cider. It's kind of like Red Apple Ale or Angry Orchard. Do you guys do live shows there? Oh, we should. We won't. We would love to because the, the aesthetic of the bar is very old school, mm. but a little too small to do it there. But we do play gigs all around there. Um, bars like uh, East Tennessee Billiards and um, the Listening Room. They have a listening room and uh, uh, Pigeon Forge as well, just like they have in Nashville. We actually played Gatlinburg's um, Chili Cook-Off last year for the opening of Winterfest, which is cool because we opened up for Hannah Dasher, who's a up-and-coming uh, CMA or a CMT artist. She's a CMT correspondent. She's been on the Rachel Ray Show. She's um, she's had a couple spots with Fender guitar. She's very talented, but you know we enjoy playing music out there. It's beautiful. So awesome, it really is. Yeah, you know, and to be the youngest. Yeah. In your family, and um, how many are musical in your family aside from yourself? Zero. <laughs> how not, blessed? Not a, how blessed are you, man? I feel very blessed because my dad, uh, growing up, I don't remember listening. Like my mom had a lot of uh, Carol King records and Jim Croce, mm-hmm. which yeah. Jim, that's how I learned to play guitar. Really was. You know, besides playing with my friends, I would, you know, listen to Jim Croce records and then I would just like take the needle off. And if I messed up, I would take the needle off and go back. So Carol King, um, you know, Rod, she loved Rod Stewart. Um, but yeah, my dad, on the other hand, was like talk radio. It was like the Dan Patrick show or uh, like The Wind. I remember him just listening to The Wind while we drove down the road. So. 
Um, my brother uh, tried playing the drums, uh, tried playing guitar. I don't I think he's better off as a tambourine man, personally, but that's just a stab at him, though. <laughs> <laughs> because he's your brother. He's my brother. He's good at a lot of other stuff, but... Uh, oh, man. So where, where, can, where can folks find your music? So, yeah, if you go uh, on Spotify, iTunes... Um, I believe even Amazon Music, anywhere you can yeah. stream. Is Napster still a thing? You can, you know, I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> you can still illegally download my music on Napster. Um, but yeah, YouTube, anywhere. Uh, if okay. you just look up Chance Dannison or Last Call, uh, anything like that, or Party Like Wade Sundell, there's tons of music on there. Well, I'll put um, whichever links that you want me to um, in the uh, in the episode uh, notes. Yeah, absolutely. This, uh, episode 11 of... I know. Columbus local. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Chance, I, uh, I, I really appreciate you uh, making the time yeah. while you're in Columbus. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't miss it. I'm, I'm so glad you invited me to come out. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I, I miss Columbus, Ohio, and I was like, you know, I've got a lot of friends that play around here, but what you're doing is really cool. And I tell them about it all the time. Like, you gotta well, listen to this cool. podcast. Well, yeah, maybe this will get passed around. And if anyone's interested, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm game to, yeah, you know, get, get, um, you know, involved in what, what they're doing, you oh, know, yeah. in regard to, um, supporting their, their gigs, if they're playing live or buying a CD or, um, you know, any, any medium that they're, they're out, they're working with, but, um, you know, and even uh, a podcast episode if they're interested, you know, yeah. cause it's a lot of fun learning about those that, you know, are from here or live here, um, or have some connection with Columbus, Ohio. And there's, there's such a, there's a vibe here, you know, yeah. and, and local music is, um, is, is very special. It's I mean, a melting pot. It's it, a melting yeah. pot of music. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, that when I, I'm lucky that I have friends like um, Blake Lang, who's a part of a group called 3C Highway. Um, shout out to them as well. And he he gets booked so much around Columbus and Buckeye Lake. And if it wasn't for him and his connections and the people he knows being involved in the community, I wouldn't be able to come home and play whenever I do. So, I mean, Columbus has a really supportive community, I think, when it comes to music. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's um, it's it's cool, and it's it's not mainstream pop. It's um, just a whole wide range of different genres and, yeah. and influences. So, yeah. you know that that you gravitated to to the red dirt genre. I think um, you know makes you really unique. And, and if, when I listen to that music, I I'm like, you know, I've become a fan. I mean, I fo- I'm following. I'm waiting for you know the little the little. Uh, notification that yeah. you know chance danison has released a new single or a new album or something and um so i'll be uh i'll be out, out, out on the wing 2024 baby I gotta get, let me get married and then i can get back back to it <laughs> wedding's gotta come first yeah, you know <laughs> women um have a way of, of prioritizing time oh yeah um and it's it's a all it's an awesome thing yeah absolutely but uh, we'll be looking for that in 2024, yeah, Chance. Absolutely. Chance Danison, um, episode 11 of Columbus Local. Um, we're about uh, out of time here, so we appreciate everyone listening to this and uh, really wish you the best, Chance. Thanks so much for being here today. Awesome. Thank you. I had a great time. You bet. Bye-bye. <laughs>